0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link
1: in the show description to support now. It takes a pandemic... Okay, you fill in the rest. For instance, it takes a pandemic for me to finally clean up my desk. Right, uh, it takes a pandemic... To start reading that pile of New Yorkers. Ah, it takes a pandemic for me to finally learn to pay. Well, for audiences of live performance, it takes a pandemic to cherish our actors and musicians. With our great jazz venues and theaters closed, live performance has stopped. But actors and musicians continue to create. They have to. It's who they are. For this Hunker Down podcast, I talk with these artists who perform for a living about how social distancing is affecting their work now and when this is all over, about their dedication to the art of live performance. Jocelyn Suzanne Kuritsky is an actor, writer, and theater producer who has appeared in over 20 New York City productions and performed in Washington, D.C. at the Arena Stage, the Kennedy Center, and Theater Alliance. She's a three-time Princess Grace Award-nominated performer and co-founder of the Woodshed Collective, an immersive theater that has won mega awards. And, as I learned from a recent interview she gave, she is a flitting flirt so if you want to learn more about that, just stick around. Jocelyn Suzanne Kuritsky. Yeah. Actor. Thank you so much for uh, joining me here on Hunkered Down.
0: Thanks for having me. <laughs>
1: sure, sure. Uh, what'd you have for breakfast real quick?
0: Real quick. I had a scone that uh, my mother made because I'm hanging out with them these days.
1: Ah, so uh, you, you, you're the siren?
0: I do. I do. I hear there's, it. There's
1: there's a, a lot of that going around, right? I mean, I don't know where where are you right now? You're with your mother, but where are you?
0: So I'm in Maryland, and I um I actually uh, I, I I visit them a lot, regardless. But I had been here in early March for my father's birthday, and
1: okay. then I went
0: back to New York for like half a day. And my sister texted me, and she's like, "I think you should go back now." And I was like, "Okay." Yeah.
1: And when when and this was when?
0: Early March. Right. So this was actually before things started getting really crazy. Right. Um but uh my sister uh is uh, sort of in the diplomatic circle. They were overseas at the time. And my father is actually a former CDC epidemiologist and Oh. But no one predicted this. Um, But there was sort of a sense like things could get kind of topsy-turvy quickly.
1: And and so was it his advice that you come home before this really set in?
0: No, because nobody really knew that this was going to happen. But there was this weird feeling like we were in for some sort of blip <laughs> right?
1: That,
0: some, that something was so, you know something was happening not exactly sure what you know i have a lot of friends up where i live i live in washington heights and ton of friends around that area but i don't know i think my sister just had a sixth sense like i don't know and they they i they my sister and her husband had been in peru and they had been doing a lot of shelter in place or starting to do that already so she, and where, where
1: just, are they they're in you know, they're in new york city
0: Now they actually were evacuated and they're in, uh, (laughs) they're near us, but we haven't seen them. Um, So there was a lot of evacuation of um, diplomats all over the world because countries, um, developing countries, um, I mean, if we don't have the capacity, they certainly don't have the capacity for a major outbreak.
1: Can you say what country she was in?
0: Uh, She was in Peru.
1: And so things are pretty bad in Peru right now?
0: Hard to know. Um, I I uh, I have limited information, of course. Right. Um, just as a person, <laughs> I know. But I, I try
1: to I try to get. <laughs> I was just talking to a uh, conductor, a young conductor, who's, whose whose family is from Holland, and so I go like, "What's going on in Holland?" Yeah. You know, try to get that first-hand thing. But you 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 will have connections with um, Bolivia, right? You lived in I La Paz. Do. I,
0: yeah, I grew up. There, I well, I spent six years of yeah. <laughs> very important part of my developmental years in, in La Paz. Uh-huh. Um, do you
1: still have connections there?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, and actually, social media has made it, you know, really possible to stay in touch with people. I actually saw um, I had this amazing sixth grade math teacher um, who's Canadian, but basically Bolivian. She's been married to a Bolivian for. Forever, mm-hmm. and she contacted me through Facebook, and I met her in New York after not seeing her for twenty something years. Wow, it was really amazing.
1: So you're you're in touch with her now? She's in La Paz, and do you have yeah. any reports on how that city's doing?
0: Um, you know, I haven't talked to them in a few weeks, and mm. <laughs> considering things change all the time, I yeah. mean, I think they're um, somebody had contact contacted my dad, this is not his area though, you know, yeah. um, respiratory illnesses and he's retired and, you know, he's certainly wouldn't be in a position to, you know, really advise anyone. Um, but a friend from Bolivia was like, you know, what is your take on this? And I, I think, uh, all these countries are, um, struggling and I, 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 I'm reticent to because I don't really know, but mm-hmm. I,
1: I. What's your think, impression?
0: Yeah, my impression is that they know less than we do and have less organizational capacity than we even do. Wow! And because
1: my sense with, is we don't have much organizational capacity here.
0: Well, you know, like, in, like you think we don't have a lot of ventilators here. They really don't have a lot of ventilators there. Yeah. You know, um, and I think you know, the culture and the way things are dealt with is so different. And what we interpret as levels of corruption here, you you know, like these things are so deep and complicated. Um, uh, But I I think, what do I think? I also think the real crime here is that the United States has historically been a leader, um, a global leader on catastrophes on you know and we are not right now because we have a sham of a presidency because we have somebody who is just so incompetent on so many levels um so i think countries that historically would look to us for guidance are incredibly confused is my you know very baseline assumption give give
1: us your opinion there right just lay, lay, lay it out there yeah um yeah, it it um I've been talking quite a bit now on this Hunker Down podcast. Um and uh I, it, it's interesting how the whole world seems to be connected. I mean I mean talking to you and other people and it's like you have you everyone has like these fingers out into the rest of the world. Uh we're yeah. not this, you know, isolated though now we're isolated. Um
0: Well, I'm super Privileged in the sense that I kind of grew up in an international community. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to friends in Spain and Berlin, and and you know yeah. they they express their impressions, but it's also just very. I mean, here in the U.S., we're, we're really only two months into this, or consciously into it, and that's actually not that much time, mm. and. Um, no there's a lot we're learning
1: and yet i was in the park yesterday and i'd say 40% of the people that i saw were not wearing masks Yikes. and there was a lot of people i'm talking about central park right there was a lot wow. of, it was a gorgeous day yesterday yeah. and there was a lot of people out and i had to keep dodging them a lot of kids i mean little kids who i hear if you're an older person like myself you have to be very careful because yeah. they could be asymptomatic. Um, yeah. So we're only yeah. two months into it, and yet states are now starting to open up again. So it's a it's a worrying thing. How? So you're in a house now in Maryland?
0: I'm in an apartment complex where my folks live, and I just made the executive decision to stay put and stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do web design, so um, mm-hmm. I've been able to do that from here, you know, from anywhere. Um, that's sort of a, a more constant source of some income, although that has definitely been affected by yeah. <laughs> the insanity of everything right now. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit of a hermit myself, so <laughs> this isn't that weird.
1: <laughs> right. Well, we we just met, and I, I always do some research, and you, you called yourself, I think, uh introverted in one or in, you, you tend to be a private a private person uh, put it you know put it that way and I, I do want to talk about this interview that you had with your co-producer with the Muse project uh, where's her name I'm not finding her name oh Kira 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 Miller
0: Kira Miller yeah
1: right who had interviewed you and I got a lot of information about <laughs> you from that and so I'm going to be borrowing a lot from that and then putting my own little slant on it. So I thank Kira for for doing such a nice job. Uh, with she's pretty good. <laughs> she, she, she's very good. And if anyone wants to see that that interview, it's it's a written out interview, uh, yeah. and uh, it's it's at the Muse Project. If you go to Next at the top, it'll 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 come up. But you uh, are an actress, actor. You're an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The word actress, I guess, is not used so much anymore because it's kind of. I'm not quite sure what it means.
0: I don't know an what any actress. of it means. <laughs> I, I use all of them. I, I say women actor, actress, uh, you know. Yeah. I, I use, I interchange them all the time. Right,
1: and certainly the Muse Project is something we need to talk about. Um, you were uh, early on, let me ask you this. How did you get, in why did you become an actor? There's a simple um, one.
0: God, I don't, I mean, I do know in the sense, and I think I mentioned this in the interview with Kira, Um my mother, actually, both my parents work in public health, and my mother got together with her colleagues. This was in Bolivia, and um, they did uh, Plaza Suite, I think.
1: That's I, what you said in the interview, right?
0: I can't even remember how old I was exactly, but I just thought it was, I was like, whoa, that's so weird. Mom is, like, acting so differently. And, and she's doing three
1: of... different things, right? Yeah. She's like, three different women or. Are...
0: Yeah. yeah, and I it made such an impression on me then, um, and I just thought it was such a interesting way to, a form of expression. Yeah. Um, as I've gotten older and continue to be addicted or mildly addicted, I think I'm so fascinated by women and representation.
1: Mm-hmm
0: which makes me love women actors even more, Mm -hmm. you know, and see it as such a necessary um, profession, career. Um, I think, you know, I think women are still so limited in ways that we still are having a hard time seeing, but there's something about performing that, uh, pushes everything together, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, something like that,
1: or, 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 or puts a, puts a kind of a, um, a spotlight on issues that arise in other areas of women. Like, for instance, I, I in politics, um, I think this country should be run by women. I think we, I think your gender would do a lot better than our gender has done. Um, that whole patriarchal, you know, penis forward kind of way of. Uh, of of running the country, just uh, which which our president is kind of a prime example of, right. is just not the way. And um, I I I pray before I, I leave this veil of tears that I see a woman president and see what if if things could change.
0: We have a long way to go because I think so much um, of our understanding of leadership, it, it, you know, how we understand even what leadership is. No matter what gender or sex you are, it's so based on this very, it's, uh, Rebecca Traster talks about this, that it's so coded male. Um, yeah, hegemonic.
1: So, it's there. It's there and you don't even know it's there.
0: Yeah. And, and we're so close to it still. We can't quite mm. see it. It's. So. It's.
1: I, I'm. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but it's my hope that this uh, coronavirus experience is going to ho- wake us up a little bit. My fear is that it won't. But let's talk about your acting. <laughs> let's okay. Talk about your acting. You. You. Um. Uh, I'm. I'm going to kind of jump ahead. I spoke with one actress, Olivia Jam who I don't know if you know, but I thought since you both know Joel Bernstein, you might know Olivia. But you both were Bats uh, alumni.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: and Bats is the organization at the Flea Theater. Uh, Why don't you give me your take on the Bats? I got hers.
0: Yeah. People have complicated feelings about the Bats. Um, For me, it was pretty great. Um, I also, you know, I did some research before I joined the Bats. You know, I auditioned and then I was asked to join and I, I spoke to a wonderful actress and playwright named Kate Benson and I spoke to a wonderful actor named Greg Keller and um, got their take on what it was, and so I, I, I feel like I had a bit more of a sense of what I was getting into than some other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Well, what for? First off, how do you yeah. define the Bats? What is it? If someone doesn't know the Bats, know
0: what yeah, sorry, uh, the Bats. It's it's a uh, it's the resident acting company at the Flea Theater, and now it's it's basically it's a volunteer acting company um, and non union. Non-union, so you can only do it as long as you're not part of the union. Um, and, um, you know, when I did it, uh, I got oh, a oh. lot of opportunities. Oh, sure. <laughs> um.
1: I, uh, I mean, I always tell my guests, you know, turn off your phone and, and here, <laughs> here I did it. Okay, if you, could, uh, you were saying uh, when you first auditioned there, Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, it gave me a lot of opportunities to get on stage, get reviewed, meet a lot of my colleagues, and, um, and I did what they call bat hours, which some people think is not super um, moral, <laughs> but you, uh, it's or ethical, yeah. um, but you know, you like fold programs and Uh, you know things like that I mean I think when they first started it was things like cleaning the toilet and I don't know but you know it was I guess some degree of indentured servitude but I would argue I still do that (laughs) I run you know you when you run your own company doing your own thing you still do all that stuff right
1: and i I do want to talk about the two areas that you're uh involved with the muse project and the um the theater uh the name's not coming to me uh a woodshed or woodshed right that immersive theater um so i mean the bats also allows uh actors to develop uh projects too
0: yeah and they've they've um you know, I think they've responded to criticism too that they've gotten over the years and adjusted the programming Good. to reflect that. And I I encourage young actors to go audition for the Bats all the time. Cuz also the other thing is it's the only major theater company I can think of in New York that does that. It's mm-hmm. the only major theater company in New York that says, "Yeah, we'll audition you. You're not nobody knows who you are. You're not affiliated with the union." In fact, we, so we, we prefer
1: to, you not knowing and that you're beginning.
0: Yeah. Be, yes. And I, I mean, I think I know people who are non-union who've maybe been around who, um, auditioned for it several years later, Yeah. but it's really, I, I was thinking back, where else, where else would I have gone? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. When, uh, Akira was um, Miller was interviewing you. She mentioned something, and I've not been asking actors about this, and I don't know why. Because at one time, when I first came to the city as an actor, and I just I couldn't make it work for me. Um, I had a family, and uh, I just had, I had a kid, and I had to make a living, and so I started teaching, and now I'm a college professor. Yeah. But um, one of the things she talked about, and I was really kind of glommed in, and I guess because of my own experience, is auditioning. Yeah, this idea, this thing that actors need to do, yeah, uh, about auditioning, and then one of the words that uh, always comes up, and I'd like you to comment on it, is this uh, word rejection. Yeah, um, and that's a feeling as well as an action. How do you deal with audition? Because you're you're an actor and you need to audition yeah. all the time.
0: Yeah. Oh God, it's such a weird. I don't get most of my work through auditions. Yeah. Um, I think very few actors do actually. Um, I, and if, who is it? Tony Roberts, who's become a friend over the years, um, has a great interview I should find. He's yeah. like, it's terrible. You're going in for a job that you're trying to convince people belongs to you and you don't even know what it is. <laughs> like, it's like such a weird, you know, dynamic.
1: Yeah, or what they want, or. Yeah. 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 But.
0: But I see it mostly now, and like all first impressions, this you know ebbs and flows. But I just see it now as an opportunity to meet people I maybe don't know or re meet them in a context that is new and express interest and also learn about them. I mean, I, um, and I talk about this a lot with Muse, but I'm also auditioning them, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm I think also that's a going great in there going...
0: Are you, do I want to work with you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And well, it had, where,
1: yeah. <laughs> where does this word rejection come in? Because I mean, you're, 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 it's, you're not really being rejected. Though I, the, I know when I did it, it felt like that because here I am, I'm putting myself out there and I'm doing yeah. it in an emotional way because yeah. I'm trying to do a good job and, and, uh, and I'm getting like, no, that's what I hear.
0: Well, I think. And I think this is going to be, I think this is evolving. And part of it is it's evolving, I think, even because of our questions about power and gender dynamics now. But I think sort of the older school model was actors throwing themselves at, you know, mm-hmm. producers or directors begging for jobs. And mm-hmm. this is especially true for women, right? Flaunt your feathers. We'll decide if if you are, you know, if we'll take you or not. Mm-hmm. And those power dynamics are shifting for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think um I think more actors are also producers and writers and directors. There's more um hyphenating
1: uh-huh. is that a word? and Happening. there's more opportunity. Social yeah. media and, and YouTube and Yeah and, and uh, the availability of cameras are ubiquitous. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. made a change, you think.
0: Yeah, and I also think You know, as we question power dynamics a lot right now, when it comes to gender, race, and class, we're evaluating these interactions how we treat people, how we speak to people, how we exchange power. So, I think that affects the audition scenario a lot, actually. Yeah. So, you know, yeah.
1: The actor, and there's a lot of talented actors, and I look forward to seeing you perform. Sometime soon, in a in kind of a place <laughs> where we're both in the same place, um, the the actor is a really special creature, um, and maybe that that specialness is being appreciated more now. I mean, that's what I'm I'm hearing you—that mm-hmm. the value of the actor as as someone who's just not a throwaway thing. Which I felt when I was doing it many many years ago was you know it was like oh please 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 look at me what 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 is your view? what is an actor i mean what who who Nothing. are you
0: who am i? God existential crisis left and right these days yeah. um, <laughs> oh, <well>. um, <clears throat> you know I think an actor is a representative um, which doesn't mean you're simply a conduit, although I think that's part of the job um, but I think you are a representative you're an interpreter and um and that can take on various forms, depending on what kind of project you're doing. Um, but that's how I view it. And I tend to think of um, any time, <laughs> I said this to Helen Shaw recently, who's a theater critic at New York Magazine. I said, you know, honestly, any time um, a play is quote unquote a success, it's a minor miracle because so many people have to come together to make this happen. It is an incredible act of diplomacy when when it, quote unquote, works. So to me, sort of the tussle and the negotiation and the, uh, is this the right? I mean, that's kind of why I love stage acting in the sense that you get to do it over and over and over and over. It's like that manic need, to like, well, oh, I'll try it this way. I'll try it this way. What if I do that? Is it more successful if I do it this way? What, you know, did I hit the right t-? That process to me is incredibly exciting. Yeah. Um, and I never, I, I'm i so much more, less attached to the outcome now than I used to be.
1: I, I mean, two, two, two ideas come up to me. What One is, to have a successful I'm just I'm gonna kind of, kind of re- repeating what you said to have a successful outing theater outing you need a lot of elements need to come together and need to work out at once and it's a big balance and one of the big ones is that you've gotten people there and and some not just people but also the right people yeah. to, to, to to see it like like the uh, the um, the person who critiques it but but then there's that other thing is that and I've just learned this kind of later in life it's not about the outcome. It's about the process. Yeah. It's about. It's about. It. So. So it doesn't turn out well one night. But what have you learned? That's the most important thing. And then how do you attack it the next night?
0: I think so. I mean, I, I there are plenty of people who would disagree with me, and yeah. m- certainly much more commercial, commercially oriented oriented people would disagree with me. Right. But the exercise of it is also really the core experience of it
1: well it is it is for you
0: it is for me it also though i would argue is can can be for the audience
1: right right well it seems to me if it is for the performer who is engaging the audience yeah Yeah. and and the audience is engaging the performer it's a two-way street that that process is kind of like a a work in process for everybody
0: yeah. Right, and that
1: to me, that's what theater is. And so, looking for that, that product that that a lot of commercial film does, in yeah. which you're looking for that product so that it'll sell, that's just to me dead. It's nowhere. Yeah, and I'm hearing that it, that's you too.
0: I I think I would argue too that a lot of audience members, um, like anything, um, I I and the, and now too with social media and how things work. I mean, certainly fully finished, pristine films can be enjoyable. But I think um, a lot of audience members appreciate um, being included in a process in some capacity. They enjoy the ability to engage and have an effect.
1: Right. And and that gets us into... Um,
0: woodshed. <laughs> woodshed.
1: The Woodshed Theater, which is an immersive theater, so yeah. why don't we go with that? Since you've kind of opened the door to that, sure. Is you are a co-founder of the Woodshed, yeah. and you do on-site theatrical productions in and which sanity. the audience follows yeah. you around, or you're in a <laughs> you're in a particular place that relates to the. So talk about yeah. that because it seems like you've that's what you're talking about now.
0: Um, some yeah, I mean, I think it I think it informs a lot of what I do. I've been with Woodshed. For a long time, over a decade now, and um, you're a co-founder of it, aren't you? I'm a co-founder of it, and yeah. I am still there. Um, you know, we we definitely uh, we don't know what we're doing, um, and that's <laughs> part of the joy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's like I have this idea, and we throw it around for a long time, and then you know try to do shit. It's, yeah. You know. But it really is in that spirit of like, I don't know, this may work. This may not. Let's try it. Um, It is deeply experimental that way. And I think it's informed a lot of how, you know, as an act, I'm, I'm the only, I'm the resident actor with that company. So the company is comprised of a lot of designers, but I'm the resident performer. Now, Teddy Bergman, the artistic director, is also an actor, but he doesn't really act in our shows. He directs them
1: yeah just to get an idea of the woodshed since i've not seen a production of it yet and i see you've got is, is there something coming up in june
0: we have a show um uh, called k-pop um that uh, god when was that was that 20 ooh, was that fall 2017 am right. i getting that right um it it's been sort of um m- moving its way to broadway perhaps
1: okay um, all right so. all right I think there's a lot more to be said about about the woodshed but i'm I'm sort of in a way more interested in the in the muse um oh, project okay. um I just it it just kind of sings to me as as a muse should and this is something also that you started and it's kind of what we've been talking about as actors today performers kind of take control of their of their of their yeah, you know, whoever they are yeah. and let, let the world yeah. know who they are. Yeah. Tell us about the Muse uh, Project. It sounds amazing, wonderful. Uh, and, <laughs> and do you, and there are other women who are doing this also. Like, mm-hmm. do you know the, the Shrill, um, yeah, they call themselves the Shrill Collective. And it's a bunch of women who are, seem to be doing something similar to you and maybe you want to take a look at them. But tell us, tell sure. us about the Muse Project. I
0: don't, I don't know them. Um, so the Muse Project, as far as I know, this format doesn't really exist in American theater, which is where you make the actress the center. And you say, so, so the idea is very simple. We go to actresses and we say, what role do you want to play? What story do you want to tell? What are you interested in? Who do you want to work with? And sometimes an actress only has an inkling of you know, somebody she wants to work with. She may not even know what story or what role. Um, but it's all based on the idea that sort of the actress in and of herself is enough and interesting in and of herself and, and a show can come out of that or a performance can come out of that and you can actually flip the structure upside down. Right. Um, and, and work that way. And I think for me, like a lot of women, it's like you get into your thirties and you're like, wow, wow. I see all the men are progressing and all the women have left (laughs) or are leaving because they can't gain any traction. And it seemed preposterous to me that we have so many more women performers that, you know, I see anyway, who are really talented and interesting and so few roles for them. And who, I mean, this idea, like, I think I'd been told, why do you want to be an actress? There are no roles for actresses. And I'd be like, well, who ordained that? God, who told? Like yeah. this is not.
1: <laughs> who created that reality? <laughs>
0: who created that reality? Yeah. Why don't we just make more roles? Then why are we? Why do we have this system? Why are things set up this I way? I love this
1: idea of flipping it on its head instead of yeah. starting with the playwright. A lot of times, male.
0: Yeah. Who, yeah. who
1: who thinks male? And you certainly have male playwrights who write good roles for women. Just flip it over to the actor. Yeah, and just the, ask her. <laughs> yeah, ask her. Because the actor is not just an empty shell. The actor is a person.
0: Yeah, it's wild how I just started asking actresses, well, what would you do if someone asked you this? And the ideas blew my mind. And I was like, oh my God, we're not, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> so, yeah.
1: yeah, tell us about Lynn Cohen, who,
0: oh, yeah.
1: who was an important part of uh, the Muse pro- uh, Project.
0: Yeah, well, I, um, when did I I? had met Lynn Cohen before. I'd met her once at New Dramatists, where I was like, hey, Magda. And she was like, let me tell you about New Dramatists. And then, and then I'd done a reading with her, which I don't think she remembered. Um, and Ian Morgan at the New Group was like, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to Ling because she'd be really into this. And uh, you should just call her up. And that's literally what I did. He gave me her number. I called her on the phone. This was, God, when was this? This was like 2014 maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I called her up and I told her what I was working on. We talked for like an hour. And then I just kept being in touch with her. And anything, almost anything and everything I asked her to do, she would do. She would always show up. She and Ron would come to every event um, I said, hey, we're, I want to commission you to do, you know, a little news project. Great. When? Where? I'll be there. Right. You know, it was incredible. And I think she was like that with a lot of people. But, it, I mean, she would speak to me for hours about this project and really help me think about it and why it was so important.
1: And if you go to the... Um to the Amuse uh, Project website, you'll see Lynn Cohen and immediately recognize who Lynn Cohen is. Um
0: yeah, and yeah. who's
1: who's uh, sadly not with us anymore.
0: Yeah, she passed away in February.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wanted to this program is called Hunker Down and it's about how actors and musicians have a hard time doing their work or an impossible time doing their work. Here you are in, you know, your your parents' home and doing website yeah. work and you're not <laughs> doing your acting work. But a lot of what I got from the interview that you had with Kara Miller um, was that you are big on collaboration and and we're not collaborating now. I just wanted to read something quickly that I got from the the, um, interview. I'm very curious about how connection facilitates collaboration and then art. I'm committed to finding common ground with a variety of people. And even though I'm deeply introverted, I love learning about other artists. And so I love networking. I have become a master flirt i'm enthralled by what other people are curious about and i flit from perch to perch gathering information and learning and thinking about how we all fit together and i persistently build upon those flirts gently and steadily as i go i'm ultimately interested in diplomacy i guess your sister is too and how to build perches i can eventually live in with others and I love, there's a number of images there of of the flirt, but not the sexual flirt, the one who's flirting with you as a person, and yeah. then the perching, perching.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm just really, I don't know. I, I'm always, I've always been interested, I guess, in kind of hybrid forms, um, and hence Woodshed Collective, you know, like, meaning like, oh, this is interesting. How does it merge with this? And I think that is connected to also just, so many people having so many interesting angles on um, making work and making art. And um, and I enjoy sort of the, um, I don't know, what is that quote? The cracks are where the light gets in, <laughs> you know, or, you know, I'm always sort of looking for that space that we can't quite articulate. That's like, oh, there's something in that weird nether space, you know,
1: you know, to me, that's very, tell me if I'm wrong. Oh. That's that's a female imagination. It's that <laughs> empty space. It's the space that's not filled. And it's like you, It's it needs to be filled with something, but you have to know it's there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before
1: you can start filling it.
0: Well, and I think, uh, you know, we're in an interesting time right now. I think there is this isn't this is a crisis we're in a crisis um but i think there's a lot of opportunity that um can come out of it and you know i think i think what con- consciously and subconsciously we're taking in a lot right now and it, it's going to be interesting to see what spaces get filled as a result of this you know
1: hmm. Hmm. i you know I'm not overly religious, but, you know, from your mouth to God's ear, I, I, I hope we, um, we do take advantage of it, and, and maybe that's one way of, of doing it. Let's take advantage of you right now oh, and have thanks. you read something for us. Um, I suggested, I know you're a writer. You don't have to read I'm what you are actually not
0: a writer, but... <laughs> oh,
1: you're not. I thought you were.
0: <laughs> it, it, it seems that way, probably because of how I produce.
1: You're a creator.
0: Maker, yeah.
1: A maker. So what, what would you like to read for us?
0: Um, can I read it first and then tell you what it is?
1: Sure, sure. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off my side so in case there's a siren going by. Okay. And you just go right ahead. Okay.
0: The disorganized condition of parties in the United States at the present time affords a favorable opportunity for a review of the political situation and for comment on the issues. As I happen to be the most prominent representation of the only unrepresented class in the Republic, and perhaps the most practical exponent of the principles of equality, I request the favor of being permitted to address the public. I now announce myself as candidate for president. I am well aware that, in assuming this position, I shall evoke more ridicule than enthusiasm at the outset but this is an epic of sudden changes and startling surprises. What may appear absurd today will assume a serious aspect tomorrow.
1: Uh, I'm tempted to guess. Uh, part of me goes like this is something that's not contemporary. Maybe it's something from the past, because you might be tricking me. <laughs> I, I I mean, I think Elizabeth Warren, but she was not such an outlier when she first decided to to run for president. Or this may be, I don't know. So, yeah, who, who said so, that?
0: So this is an original speech from Victoria Woodhull, who was the first woman to make a run for the presidency in 1872.
1: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and you chose it because?
0: I've been working on a project for several years, which this is part of and uh i don't know if i can or should say too much uh more about it but we will be evaluating some of some interesting women and going back to looking at some some of our some of our history and how things have kind of had interesting cyclical uh things that the, how things have cycled in very interesting ways that um i
1: yeah. almost don't see it as a cycle i see it as a, as a line through because what you read as i said it could have been uh, um said by any number of the women candidates <laughs> who ran you know for in the, in the 2020 election um, yeah i mean that's yeah. kind of really really sad i mean that sounded like a very modern statement
0: she is i I mean victoria herself is a super fascinating character and there's been some some stuff done on her but not a lot um and uh yeah i'll I'll have (laughs) i'll have more to say on this project in a in a in a short while
1: (laughs) and you will keep us informed about that Uh, Yeah, yeah. Jocelyn Suzanne Karitsky, Thank you so much for talking to us on hunkered down. Thank you so much for having me. What an
0: amazing, you know, podcast series you're doing here. Well, thank thank you. I've been
1: I've been meeting so many amazing young artists and older artists too, who are all hunkered down and they want to work. And you'll get back to work. You'll get back to work, and hopefully, you'll get to work in a new world.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, there's something to to both being um open to the possibilities right now, and I think also to listening to you know maybe the quietness that's being enforced on us. so I love it. something love like it. that yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah no no no, you that's that's the quietness that's being forced upon us. I think I'd like to try to be quieter, yeah I'd like to use this time to be quieter, and I think too many of us are and filling it up with you know
0: busy busy yeah. keep going, keep going. Yeah. and,
1: and um, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you Jocelyn
0: thank you so much Alan righto <laughs> bye bye <Bye-bye>.
1: bye <stretchi> you've been listening to the Hunker Down podcast conversations with actors and musicians about their lives on stage during a pandemic if you have any questions or suggestions please contact us at Upper West Side Radio at gmail.com that's one word Upper West Side Radio at gmail.com